And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective. The Mets have finally lost a series. The good news is that means we can stop paying attention to whether they've lost a series. The bad news is some of the cracks are starting to show at the seams with this team a little bit. They're still in first place. I'm Ted Berg. Here to talk about the Mets is Rustin Dodd from The Athletic. Rustin, how's it going? Ted, I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well but I am growing concerned, and I, I suspect yeah, I'm 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 a pretty measured guy. Uh, I suspect that that there are Mets fans out there who are are feeling a little bit less uh, confident than I am in in the state of the team right now, because yes, it's one series. It's the Seattle Mariners. They're a fine team, but. I think we've seen some, uh, first of all, the injury to Tyler McGill seems scary. Uh, biceps inflammation is the diagnosis. The MRI says no structural damage. If you're a Mets fan, you've heard that uh, dozens of times before, and it's almost never ended well, so there's there's some healthy fear there. Um, you start seeing the, the rotation seems a little bit thinner. The bullpen seems a little bit thinner. Uh, James McCann hits the DL, and not that he was hitting a ton, but again, like the, the, the offensive depth does seem a little bit thinner. Talk me off the ledge here. Well, yeah, so is, are those your biggest concerns, just the injuries? And- uh, there's that. There's the injuries. There's uh, Eduardo Escobar has fallen into a hole. I, I kind of believe, and I, I know a lot of people won't think this way, but I— it things even out. I we saw how good of a hitter he could be early in the season. This is what it looks like when things go wrong. I tend to think a guy like that who has established a, a major league resume like he has is is going to be better than this. So that's not uh, that's not a concern for me. I suspect that's a big concern for some people. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. It just the the McGill injury I think is something they just really don't need at this point. I, well, I think that's right, but I think so. When I when I think of like Tyler McGill and James McCann getting hurt, uh, and and to this point, this sort of you know the the Mets injury issues. I don't even know if I would call them that. Obviously, Trevor May is also hurt. Uh, Jacob Degrom, uh, you know, going through what he's going through, but that all seems to me sort of like every team has some degree of injury issues. Uh, and I don't think mm-hmm. the Mets to this point have, have been any worse than, than other teams. And if you maybe, you know, better than a lot of teams. But I do think it's sort of, if you are a Mets fan, it sort of awakens you to the possibility of of how fragile these things can be, right? So it's like, okay, Tyler McGill goes out. Uh, all right, they, they can survive that for a week or two or three. Um, you know, James McCann, okay, that's not great. But, you know, they hopefully they can survive. He wasn't exactly, you know totally producing at the plate it hurts but they can maybe survive that but then you start thinking like all right well 
those are some of the younger guys on the roster, and this isn't the the youngest team in baseball. And you have you know guys like Escobar and Starling Marte and Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett. These are guys that have you know mostly been healthy in their careers, but they're older guys. So you start to you know I, I guess if you you know wanted to be like a doomer or whatever. Uh, then this and is, I do. Yeah, then this is when you're like, okay, they can survive a few of these injuries, but if they have a few more, then you could see, you know, you know the the doomsday scenario. But I, I do think that for the most part, they should, you know, like if they cannot survive two or three weeks with Tyler McGill, uh, you know, I, I do think, you know, it just raises to me it raises questions like, all right, he's they say there's no structural damage. If you want to look for a silver lining, you can say, I, I think I saw Dan Zimborski mentioning how his release point had really dropped over the course, like maybe 10 to 12 inches over the course of this season, mm-hmm. which I'm no uh, expert on pitching, but it suggests, okay, maybe he was kind of battling through an injury or battling through some fatigue or whatever it was. Um, and it sort of caught up to him, which is why he got knocked around in his last start. And so the silver lining is maybe, okay, he comes back and he's a little bit better than, than you know, that four ERA guy after he got, you know, battered around in his last start. He's, you know, he'll come back healthy and, and continue to give them good starts. But it also just raises questions like, okay, well, how, how much can you really rely on this guy who's, I think, the most innings he's ever thrown is like 130 combined with AAA in the major leagues. Um, so you just start to think like, all right, you know, well, you can count on him to a degree and we'll see. And, and you know, um, so I, I'm kind of rambling now, but I I don't think, you know, I'm that panicked with where the Mets are right now, even with, with the injuries as are concerned. But it certainly, uh, it's uh, it's got my antenna up, I guess you might say. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I, the the rational part of me says you're you're right about McGill that like, you know, clearly he wasn't right in his last start. He just got tagged, and and they say there's no structural damage, you know. And then and his mom, his mom tweeted that he's gonna be okay, and there's no structural damage. Like, what better source could, could there be? Uh, I guess that what what worries me, you know, irrationally is just that. The end of May is coming, and this is a team that has just so often gotten off to strong starts and then fallen apart come come the middle of the year. And previously, um, Tim and I have talked about this at, at so many times. Um, it's something you can attribute to a lack of depth, and, and this season has felt different all along because there's so much depth. And so I think when you start seeing... And and you're right. Like by by major league baseball standards, this team has not had uh, a a rough time in terms of injuries. Like this is probably a normal amount of injuries for a team, especially you know considering that Degrom was a big question mark coming into the season. It's just this uh, fully irrational. You know, this is a it's a new team. It's a new manager. It's a new GM. It's a new owner. It's a a whole bunch of new players. There should be no reason for the 2022 Mets to repeat the Mets failures of the past. But 
So many Mets failures of the past have started right around this time of year that it's hard not to feel a little bit gun-shy when you're like, oh, Tyler McGill, this guy we were really psyched about three weeks ago, is now going on the DL. Uh, there's no structural damage, don't worry, because it's always, it's always no structural damage. That's always how it starts. Um, and, and so um, I think these things just sort of bubble up, and now you say, oh, okay, maybe the lineup's not quite as deep as we thought it was. Maybe, uh, you know, the... You know, the catching situation, which I think is something uh, everyone understood is like kind of being kicked down the road, right? Like Francisco Alvarez is one of the biggest prospects in baseball. I don't think he's a guy they should move. I don't think he's a guy they should force up through the system. And so you say, okay, we live with McCann. He's got this contract. He seems to be a good defensive player. Nito is a good backup. He seems like a, a good dude and a good part of the team. But I mean, these weren't this wasn't a strong a position of strength and so losing McCann again it just it it adds like a a pitcher spot to the lineup and all, all of a sudden the the lineup doesn't look so good and so like i said at at up top it's 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 cracks it's cracks in the seams and and that's what concerns me right a brief aside i feel like we almost need to retire the phrase no structural damage uh, yeah because to me that that like it's a euphemism for his ulnar collateral ligament is still attached, you know, and right. which is like those things are kind of on a spectrum, right? Like somebody can can have a pretty damaged UCL, but it, it's still attached, and they're like, well, it's no structural damage. And it is, I mean, and it is even a biceps inflammation is still, I mean, that still is sort of structural, right? <laughs> yeah, if like, you, well, you know, they're all yeah, structures, so if you really right? Wanted, yeah, yeah if you really wanted to get into the semantics of it, it's like, well, if his arm is injured at all. That's kind of part of the structure. I guess they're they're literally saying like the ligament structurally is intact, uh, which is not you know like which is which is better than it being you know not intact. But it doesn't always suggest the full story. Um, but anyway, yeah. Well, and also also these MRIs, you know, like especially when there is a lot of inflammation in that body part, the MRI is not necessarily one hundred percent reliable that first time. You know, there might be something they're missing. There might be something they can't see because of the inflammation in the muscle. Like there's always, I think there's always reason for concern, and especially because like uh, this is what happened with Noah Syndergaard. Like this is you know like it's it's happened so many times when you've heard no structural damage, and then a few weeks later it turns out you know major structural damage. No, definitely, I, I'm with you. Um, so I was. One reason for optimism, I guess, and I don't, I don't know if this is a, a, you know, a huge reason for optimism, but I was uh, yesterday putting together something the Athletic was doing for like every team in baseball, which was just naming like the surprise player of the year so far and like the most underperforming player and like sort of the, the a storyline going forward. In uh, any way, I, I texted our friend Tim Britton uh, just to be like, hey, well, who do you think the most surprising uh you know, player on the Mets is so far, and Tim was kind enough to reply while uh, raising his child on paternity leave. Um, but he he um, noted he was just like, you know, there's nobody really on the team that's super overperforming expectations so far. Um, like you could say, well, Brandon Nimmo's been healthy and he's been really good, um, and you know, Jeff McNeil is back to kind of what he's been doing and, uh, you know, much better than he was last year and he's bounced back, but he's, you know, kind of in line with what he was before, kind of similar to Pete Alonzo as well. And I know offensive numbers are down across baseball, so I guess that's context. But uh, I guess the point being, 
you know, the Mets are off to this great start on offense, and it doesn't seem like you can look at any sort of player and say, well, that's not going to last. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think there might be something there. I mean, you might see some regression with with a McNeil or a Nemo or, you know, Alonzo might, you know, slump here or there at some point. Um, but I, I actually think if – I don't know that there's a lot of uh, – you know, like upside with the Mets offense, right? Um, in terms of like, I don't know that they're going to be a lot better, um, but I don't know that you can like, they seem like they're performing right about to expectations and that they, you have reason to believe that they might continue to do so because there are guys like a Starling Marte or an Eduardo Escobar who have, have are a little bit, you know, below, you know, their career norms. And if they start to hit a little bit, they can cover for whatever regression you might see from Nimmo or Alonzo or McNeil or, you know. So I, I do think that there is uh, reason to believe that they can be more or less consistent on the offensive side of things. And then if you still have a healthy Scherzer and a healthy Bassett, um, you know, that's it's a pretty good one-two at the top of the rotation. And then as long as you're getting you know, something from Taiwan Walker and Carlos Carrasco on those other days. They, they, it just still seems like a, a team that should, um, you know, if, if not win out two out of three games, you know, for forever, uh, that should be able to uh, to kind of continue to, to move in the right direction. And then, you know, the, a major question for me is, I know this is like way ahead of time, but it's like as long as they do that, I think you can have confidence that Steve Cohen is will go out and, and – and, upgrade where they need upgrades um before the trade deadline so you know i don't think he'll be afraid to to add salary so i'm i'm i still pretty bullish on where where the mets are right now despite the uh, the injuries and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games call 1-800-DIRECT-TV claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package terms and restrictions apply yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, like, again, it's something... When- As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
I complain about the catching uh, production from catcher, it's because it's it's the only position where the Mets aren't getting production, and and you know, uh, even including third base, like as as bad as Escobar has been, you look at the season line, like a 92 OPS plus is is not horrible. He's played good defense. I think he's better than this. Um, like you mentioned, I think you know you gotta sort of adjust your your expectations for the season, the way the ball is carrying. Uh, Nimmo is a is a great example if you go by. By OPS, he's he's basically exactly in line with with his career norm, uh, or at least his his recent few seasons. Um, if you look at OPS plus, he's he's way above because because you know the the ball is not the guy. The offensive numbers are down across the board. Um, I think I have to believe Dominic Smith is is better than he's been. Maybe JD Davis is a little bit better than than he's been. And and either way, I think you can feel certain. That if the issues at the DH spot continue, they'll be able to upgrade. Like there's there's no more, uh, there's no easier way to to upgrade your offense than replacing a DH with a better DH because uh, a lot of guys can do it. There's and and those tend to be the older players who might be available come the trade deadline anyway. Um, if you're talking about who's overperformed, like the only guy to to this point that I think it seems like a above playing a little bit above his head would be Bassett but Bassett's a good pitcher you know it's not it's not that he's he's not good it's just that he's probably not this good but like I think over a seven start stretch it's not terribly surprising to see him post numbers like this no I I'm I'm with you all all of those points uh, we got a question that is uh, a fun one uh, from from Adam. Uh, I'm trying to I'm looking it up. Here it is. Uh, this is from Adam via email. If you have a question for the show, you can always email me asktedberg at gmail or get at any of us on Twitter. That's always fun to a- answer questions, even not in the live format. But this one's good for for because uh, it's there's there's so many different answers here. But uh, Adam wants to know. I'm curious. What is a typical day like in the life of a baseball player? What do they do all day before the game? It's. I was actually thinking about this, and I'm not even. I'm not even lying. Um, that they. I would love to compare the average life of a baseball player in 2022 with like 1982 or like even 1992. Um, oh yeah, because. I would have loved to have seen what those guys were like back then. And I'll, I'll compare it to now, and then you'll know why I'm saying that. But it's like nowadays, I, guys get to the park anywhere, you know, from, you know, now that they have like free meals for like lunch, uh, oftentimes these guys are getting to the park very, very early, uh, like, you know, right around like the lunchtime hour. Um, but, you know, you'll, they're getting there somewhere in the neighborhood of like, two to three o'clock, sometimes maybe earlier. I don't know exactly when the first bus would, would show up if you're on the road, uh, maybe like one or one thirty yeah. or something. I wish just to, to clarify that there's, there typically, uh, our way teams have two buses from the hotel that get there, like one for the early birds, one for everyone else. Um, but I think increasingly you see a lot of, of guys coming in on that first bus. Yes. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, you, you're looking at like, all sorts of you know workouts and early work and hitting in the cage is you know well before batting practice uh you know guys are in the trainers rooms they're uh you know in the weight room um you know jeff mcneil i'm just i've just noticed this in the last week that i've been around the team but like 
he's sort of a cage rat, it seems to be, or at least he likes to be in the cage because it's, maybe it's away from the media. Um, but he's, I mean, it seems like he's constantly in the cage at, you know, 3 p.m., uh, which is, you know, you're looking at like two hours before, or even an hour and a half before they're even potentially going out to the field to hit batting practice. Um, and so, the, and, and then obviously, I'm, I guess I'm over skimming too. There's a lot of meetings too, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. there's, you know, hit early hitting meetings, there's early pitching meetings. Uh, oftentimes it depends on the, you know, they may have a meeting every day that's very short, but before a series, they may, may have a little bit of a longer meeting to go over kind of advanced scouting reports. You know, that's happening in the, you know, right around the 3.30, 3.45, 4 o'clock hour uh, before they go out to hit batting practice. Uh, so that fills up a lot of time. Um, you know, then obviously you have batting practice and then they're kind of winding down, getting ready for the game. But the the other fascinating thing I was thinking about uh, for the routine that I think would surprise fans is how many players in Major League Baseball play a baseball game uh, and then go work out. Uh- and go yeah, and push it. And they push it. Like, guys, you'll see guys come back like a half hour after the game all like – all sweaty and they didn't even play that or play, didn't even play much that day or didn't at least didn't run much yeah but, uh, it's almost you know, like a hard a, a, workout in. yes i mean it's almost like you know baseball is a taxing sport but it's not that taxing so i mean they play every day and it's almost like some of these guys they obviously they don't want to put in their huge workout before the game and you know wear themselves down but like when the game is over they're headed to the weight room for 30 minutes and they are going hard <laughs> um or even longer. So I, I've always, it's kind of funny that baseball is a sport you play every day and these guys are like doing their, their regular job and then they finish and they're like, all right, now I actually have to go work out. Um, After they've been there since since noon, some of the time or whatever, since one o'clock, yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that was, so anyway, that that's a roundabout way of saying like, I'm, I bet in like, you know, I'm sure those guys in 1982 were like working plenty hard or whatever, but like, I just imagine those guys sitting around the clubhouse and having so much more time to just sort of do nothing, you know, uh, playing cards and crosswords and talking to the media. And, and now guys are guys are smoking cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fresca or whatever. Um, so, <laughs> you know, uh, you often hear baseball writers complain that guys are not available. Uh, you know, clubhouses are empty and you know, they're like, oh, they just, they find places to hide. And and that may be true to some degree, but like, you know, to be sympathetic to baseball players, they, they are, they have a lot of work. Like they have a lot of mm-hmm. routines in the, in the, in the afternoon hours. And, um, and they're not just sitting around. Yeah. I think even over the course of like, from the time I, I was first credentialed was, was in 2007, uh, till now, like the, it's really easy to see the change. I mean, for one thing, so many there there have been so many new like there's the Shea Stadium locker room situation was just like wildly different than City Fields there there were so many fewer places for players to go um but I think also there were just like less things for players to do then there's much more information everybody knows there's 
there's more information in the game. There's way more information being used in like the day-to-day upkeep of the game, like how you how you use video to adjust your own swing, to to uh, do your research on your opposing pitchers, things like that. You mentioned you know, pitcher and hitter meetings at the beginning of every series. I think that's long been a thing, but I think that they're probably a lot more extensive now than they were 20 years ago or 10 years ago, um, and. I'm there is some time like there 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 are times when you see a guy sitting around at his locker playing with his phone like everybody has it's not like a a a straight 13 hours of arduous grueling baseball work but um there it's a long day and there's a lot to do and I think a lot of a lot of the length is just that like all of these different meetings and practice sessions have to be scheduled, and so you need to uh, allow time for some of them to run over for, for different guys who are doing different things to all be in the meeting at the same time. And so it stretches out the day. Like, it's a, I, I think that, you know, and, and if you ask any baseball player, they'll always say, like, hey, what's the most surprising, if you say, what's the most surprising thing? What's the things fan don't, fans don't see about baseball? What what would they be surprised to learn? They'll always say just, like, what a grind it is and, and what it's like to play 160. 62 games in 189 days or whatever it is now 194 I think um but if you see it up close like it it really is kind of nuts like to to think of how many hours these guys spend in the ballpark and then how many hours they spend traveling on top of that uh and and the fact like you said that like uh you can you can do that and still manage to work out enough to look like Starling Marte no definitely no uh there's there's, I mean, I don't know that it's everybody on every team, but there are many guys on every team that are, you know, spending in 30, 45 minutes in the weight room after every game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, it's a, uh, you know, and, and it was something, it's funny, like that was something when David Wright was coming up in the in the Mets system, it was like a concern how hard he worked out. Uh, they were like, you know, we, we think his power numbers will be better if we can convince him to start, stop lifting so heavy after games um and and so i think now that that mentality has sort of changed a little bit. i think now people are teams and 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 coaches are are more in favor at least more open to guys guys pushing it a little bit in the weight room but i always remember that was like like david wright is a workout guy was a was a uh it was like a knock on him as a prospect like this guy actually works too hard and then to be fair his career did end because of of how he tried to play through his broken back. Um, so I guess that's, that was a grim a grim turn. Tell me a little bit before we go about Travis Jankowski because uh, he gave one of the like sort of most human sounding and lovable quotes earlier this year when he said, no one's going to buy my jersey. Nothing has ever made me so want to buy a player's jersey as a guy admitting no one's going to buy my jersey. And he has been a joy to watch in a part-time role this year. I do have a theory about this because I've just talked with Travis a few times and he's a very uh, friendly, very, uh, even I would even use the word warm kind of, uh, you know, individual. He's just like, a, it seems like a very nice guy. And uh, 
very good to chat with and very friendly. Um, um, and but understands the whole thing. Um, but I, I wondered, like, do you think there was like fifteen percent of him that he was he was probably being very sincere and very honest when he gave that quote? Uh, but do you think there was like fifteen or twenty percent of him that was like, you know what, this is this will be like a nice scheme, so everybody will will go out and buy my jersey. I'm not. I'm not. I guess what what's what seems harder for me to, to believe is that he that someone could ascend to the major league level and still and actually be like come to peace with being a role player you know like I, I like I feel like that would be that's a tougher thing to believe than like that he doesn't think anyone's gonna buy his jersey but like to be like yeah no I'm cool being a, a bench guy and like it if you have perspective I I think that's okay like I think that makes a lot of sense if you're Travis Jankowski to say like look it could be worse I could be riding the bus in AAA I could I, I, I like um, I have not established myself as a major league star so I'm happy to be here playing a role on a team that is wise and accurate but I think if you've been good enough at baseball throughout your life to reach the major leagues it's got to be a sort of a mental leap to be like, well, wait, I am all of a sudden not not the best baseball player here. Um, and so that's the that's the part that that sort of surprises me more, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that speaks to to character and also just, uh, you know, somebody who's self-aware and smart and, mm-hmm. and, and wants to be in the major leagues. I, you know, like there's probably other sports, too, where it's you you get to a certain level and you realize okay my best bet of of sticking on a roster and being valuable is to be versatile and be a guy that's off the bench and i don't know i when i've covered teams i i th- there's always sort of you know that tension between guys sort of understanding that role but also aspiring to more and i i always feel like there's always like two or three guys in each clubhouse a lot of times they're veteran guys who you know, like a young player might sort of model themselves after. Like, I'm sure there was a guy in San Diego that Travis Jankowski saw, and I don't know who it would have been, but I'm, I'm sure there was a veteran that he was like, you know what, like, okay, maybe my career is not going to, you know, turn into, uh, you know, all-star, you know, outfielder Travis Jankowski, but, like, I can be that guy, you know. Um, and it, it, he seems like the kind of person who would have been pretty pretty wise and understanding of, of what he could offer to a team. Um but yeah, so this is a roundabout way of saying on uh, on Friday, uh, we didn't obviously see this, but uh, during a, you know, the pregame hitters meeting, I think it was, uh, they broke out a box of Travis Jankowski t-shirts that Eduardo Escobar presented to the team. And I, it's actually unclear to me, Travis, as of at least on like Saturday, tra- Travis wasn't sure that Eduardo Escobar actually bought the shirts, uh, that he might have just presented them he he's not actually 100 percent sure whose idea this whole thing was but nonetheless uh eduardo escobar had the most service time he presented to the team and then uh all the shirts were sort of hanging on the chairs when the when the media entered the clubhouse after the game and then the guys had them on um the next day as they were kind of hitting batting practice and doing early work um so you know i kind of a classic baseball meme slash you know if if the Mets continue to win I'm sure people will point to that as sort of some you know evidence of clubhouse bonding and chemistry and uh who's to say what's right or wrong they I I think if nothing else it shows I think a lot of guys heard that quote and have a lot of respect for 
for Travis Jankowski. Yeah, I mean, it, they have been... It's it's easy to root for a team that's winning, but this seems like an especially easy team to root for. Uh, I'm going to let you go, Rustin. Thank you so much again for joining. Again, if you've got questions for the Metrospective, please do send an email to asktedberg at gmail.com, and we will be back later in the week with a live Q&A. Until then, peace out.